Welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveler, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcasts, and other stuff. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to this last installment of my Lebanon series. And today I'm going to cover Tripoli and my last day and a bit in Beirut. First off, we left Baalbek and we were supposed to go over the mountains towards Tripoli, but there was heaps of snow and the road was closed off. So we were advised to go to Beirut and then up to Tripoli. So as that would have it, our first stop was at a fantastic location and something you must do in Lebanon. There are a bunch of caves called Jeta Grotto. And there's a few things to note here. They've got a weird rule with no cameras or phones, so you have to lock them up. I'm sure you can hide them, but they are pretty hot on that. And also you drive to the entrance and you get a train to the two different locations. So the first location, you get taken by train and you walk around. And these caves are absolutely unreal. The classic cave you see on Google where they find new ones and stuff like that. All these things like hanging down, colourful, huge as well. Well worth the walk inside and probably about a 20-minute walk, I'd imagine, once you're in there and back. Got to go and see that. And then you get the train to the second part of the cave. And this is probably the best bit. You go on a boat and you need to watch your head because you duck down underneath part of the cave and you go further in by water. And you can't get out of the boat, unfortunately, but you go up and down and again, the same sort of thing, but just magical in terms of the colours and the scenery. So Jetta Grotto, you've got to go and do. Right in the mountains, awesome. After another big lunch, we had a ridiculous, ridiculous lunch. It was essentially a chicken sandwich and chips. And Soho told us not to get the big one, to get the regular. And the regular was absolutely huge. Definitely enough for two people, maybe even three so I dread to think what the big one cost. Roughly $6. Huge. We all tucked into that. Then we headed off to a coastal town called Anfa, which kind of reminded me of Greece. White buildings, kind of white and blue, on the coast. And you see people with their shirts off having a beer by the water. So it is a Christian area. But fantastic setting by the water. Great weather. Really nice to sit out there and have a drink. There is an Orthodox Greek church there, which has got an interesting painting, which was painted last year 
by an Ukrainian and also by a Russian together, um, kind of solidarity type of thing because of the war. And that's quite new in there. It's behind the altar bit. I'm not sure how easy it is to go behind those things, but the, I guess the owner of the church or the caretaker took us behind and showed us right behind the church. Really cool. But after that, we made our way up to Tripoli and checked into our hotel called the Azure Suites. Very nice. Should definitely stay there. Great location. Very, very comfortable. And first of all, we headed to the Corniche. It seems like every Lebanese coastal town has a Corniche. And there's an interesting bit that's abandoned normally by the Corniche until the earthquake, which happened very recently. This place is kind of abandoned. It's got like derelict buildings. The grass is long. It's kind of just been left there to rot, really. Um, it was a project, classic Lebanon, the project didn't get finished. Just left to sat there, just left to sit there and no one really goes in it. But then the earthquake happened. And because Tripoli is quite poor, one of the poorest cities in the Middle East, a lot of people were scared of their building obviously falling over and they were scared of their lives. So they went to this area by the Corniche, which is quite open. And people went there, camped there, stepped there until they felt safe to go back to their houses. So this area is definitely worth checking out. It's free. You can just go in and walk around. And now people are going on for runs around there. People are doing some sporting, some yoga, sporting stuff and some yoga. And just going for a general evening walk right along the coast. Really nice. This is part of an area called Mina, M-I-N-A, which is a slightly kind of more upmarket part of town. Probably a bit more money there. Um, but once you start to walk into Tripoli, you start to see why it's named one of the poorest places in the Middle East. And I'll come to that in a second. But as a group, we did want to have a fish dinner at a restaurant. Uh, I can't actually remember the name of this restaurant, but it wasn't that great, if I'm honest. And we, we all agreed that it wasn't the best, but it was okay. And that was kind of a 20-minute walk from our hotel. And it was quite light, which I, which I think was needed for our group because we are having a lot of food all the time. And after another long day... Time to get some sleep and a full day in Tripoli the next day. So Tripoli. Another big breakfast smashed in at the hotel. Classic Middle East breakfast. And we walked right in to the centre of Tripoli. The first stop off was the post office. Now, if you're in Lebanon and you want to send some postcards, they cost about 5 to 10 lira. Now, street value, that is 5, 10 cents. And it costs the same to send. And these were just like packs of 20 for nothing. So people were buying all these types of stamps, collecting them, sent off some postcards home. And yeah, decent thing to kind of buy and put in your wallet. I didn't buy any, but definitely worth it. In terms of sightseeing, we stopped off in the middle of town by the clock tower. This clock tower is huge. I think it was from the Turkish time, Ottoman time. And you can't miss it. And that's kind of the central squares, chaos of traffic. And also it's the place where we grabbed a coffee and the only coffee we could find during Ramadan. And it's called Mersh Allah Cafe. Uh, if you look at the clock on Google and you're facing away into the center, it's to the right, just by the square. Fantastic coffee. It's also a smoking joint as well. If you're going to smoke some cigarettes. Obviously, these guys were not doing Ramadan if they're smoking they have coffee in there. But I'd highly recommend it. Again, 30 cents for coffee. Unbelievable. But as we walked towards our first sort of stop off in Tripoli, 
you start to realise that this place is pretty poor by the buildings. It's got that vibe of like just needs to be kind of renovated or at least looked after a little bit. But obviously people can't afford that. But as we walked around, we stopped off at a place called the Tainal Mosque. And this is like a little oasis in the middle of chaos of Tripoli. Green trees, palm trees, grass that's been cut. There's been water hosed onto it. The mosque inside is absolutely insane. It's got gold everywhere. It's peaceful. It's cool. And they let us in and we donated some money. And that was the only time I can remember really recently that I've donated some money to anything. So that was that good for me. Felt really nice being there. The people who welcomed us in were really nice. You have to go and see that mosque. Then we wandered down the souks. These were proper souks. Busy, chaos, spices, smells, busyness, the whole lot. And again, Lebanon is the place to buy soap. So we stopped off at a little square where they have like little different soap shops and actually bought some soap this time for $2. And then something interesting happened. We were just standing there in the square and we heard what we thought was bullets. And we sort of stopped, looked around, and then there was more bullets. And it got louder and more frequent. And Jal confirmed they are bullets, but we weren't really sure why. So we kind of wandered around a bit more. Out of that, we walked to the Tripoli Castle, which is kind of bang in the middle of the central area of Tripoli and in the northern suburbs where apparently they're a bit rogue. Um, not very safe sometimes. There's a bit of Daesh in there occasionally. And also there was a civil war between two of the communities there, the Alawites and then the Sunnis underneath which is now peaceful, but there's still remnants of that, and I'll come to that in a second. But we got to the Tripoli Castle, really cool, great views of the city, must do. Go and visit that. There's some military checkpoints there, don't get freaked out, they're just there. And we went in, saw some of the tourists there as well, so it is a thing to go and do. But this is where the gunshots got louder and more frequent. And it actually felt quite close, like they're ricocheting quite near. So Jal, our guide, rang Soha, his other half, and she confirmed that there was a funeral happening on that day because three locals were killed in a car crash outside the city. And as they do, they buried them straight away. So on that day was three funerals, if you like, of some residents that are local. Hence, each one had their own bit of firing of... had their own gunfire from machine guns from, I guess, random people that related to that. So that happened quite a few times and it didn't stop there. We heard it all throughout the day. There was a tiny second when we saw a military, I guess an officer or something, run down from where we were back to the front and we wondered what was going on, but that was okay. We were reassured there was nothing going on. Scary. Wandered back to our favourite coffee shop in the centre of town. Some some people got some lunch locally, some Syrian bread, but I declined because I think I just had too much food. I just wanted to have a day of not too much. Because I knew the food later would be loads. Then we went to the Grand Mosque in the centre. And this is where the funerals were happening. And what happens is they carry the funeral. They carry the coffin down from where they started all the way to this mosque and have it there. And we actually saw one of the coffins kind of just sitting there in the Grand Mosque. Quite moving, really. And they're all quite young, I think, as well. The three people who died. So that area that I mentioned earlier that's a bit rogue, we actually went up there. I think Jao had to get permission um, through a few contacts, walked through their local soups, got a few photos. I think people were surprised to see some tourists walking through there. It's getting really earthy now, it's, you know, it's real local area, 
no other tourists there. Walked up the hill because it's quite hilly. And we walked through the sunny area and then we walked through to the Alawite area. And what you first notice is all the gunshot bullet holes of all the buildings. Some are still damaged, but clearly war is evident there. So you see that and you can't take photos of like military. You need to be careful of that. And someone told us that the Alawites, they actually drink alcohol. And I don't know if they do Ramadan, but they have a joke about the Sunnis who are below them that if you go down there and drink alcohol, you get your head chopped off. But if you come up here, you, you greet with another beer and have a have a chat. So that's their little joke. But obviously, there's still some resentment there between the two groups. Maybe still quite edgy, not really sure. I guess either side have got grudges because of what happened in the Civil War. But at the minute, it's calm. I also made a bit of a friend who I think was Sunni. I've got my Arabic app out. We kind of took a break for five minutes to sit in there because it is quite big uphill incline and yeah it's got Arabic out Arabic app out had a little chat didn't really know what's going on but got a selfie so that's quite cool to connect with the local and then we made our way back down through the souks again because some of the guys were going to do a Turkish bath I declined based on the price $15 just did not think it'd be worth it uh, but three of the guys went there and we dropped them off the plan was to go to dinner, the rest of us, the group. Then Jao will go and pick up the guys from the baths and bring to the dinner. Strict instructions to wait there. Don't go anywhere. So they rang the Turkish baths and the guy at the other end said they've left, they've gone. Now Jao was a bit worried because they were told not to do that. So what happens is we got, drop- we got dropped off at the dinner place and Jao went to go and find them. Couldn't find them anywhere not sort of around town, not at a hotel. So we started sending texts from our phones to see where they were. Long story short, it actually ended up, they didn't actually go anywhere. They just went outside into the alleyways, a bit of an alleyway into the Turkish baths and they're waiting there. But after 45 minutes, no one turned up because we thought they weren't there. And they actually got one of the texts and went back to the hotel and got picked up and came back later. Bit of drama, all safe and sound, but I don't know why the guys at the Turkish bar said they've left. They could have just said, they're just outside. Not sure why that happened, but we had another great iftar meal. Fantastic, this one. The soup was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And we enjoyed our food. On the next day, we left Tripoli and we were working our way back to Beirut via the coastal towns. So our first stop was Batroun, again, back into the Christian area. And this is a really nice place. Right by the beach. Fantastic little marina. You can go and climb the walls and kind of look out to sea. Look out to sea and also chill out and have a beer there if you wanted to. Kind of built a bit like a tourist place, maybe like Greece again. And there's some lots of kids playing football. There was an Easter procession going on. All that sort of stuff. Very peaceful. Loved it. Then our next stop was one of the oldest towns in the world called Byblos. This is a place that you have to go and see, in my opinion. Super hot this day as well. Got into Biblos, got dropped off, walked through the souks and walked around the castle ruins. Fantastic views, 360 views of the sea, the beach, the town, the souks, everything. Got to go and do it. But this day was super hot and we had to get under some shade. I think it touched 30 this day. Had another big lunch 
something didn't agree with me in this lunch again, not the first time in Lebanon, so I wasn't feeling great after that. But Biblos is a fantastic place to go and see. Then our next town was a place called Junir. And what happens here is you just go right into the hills to a Christian monument in the hills, which looks way over top. And this place is called Our Lady of Lebanon. If you go there, you've got to be respectful, dress fairly nicely, not too much noise. There's like serene music up there. You walk up this little monument and the views are just so, so extensive. See for miles on end, you can see Beirut in the distance. Super high up in the hills, but very, very peaceful, very nice to go and chill out. And it's just such a great view up there. One of the awesome things you can do is you get a funicular all the way down to the coast. And this is something maybe not for people who are scared of heights. So for 200 lira, it's divided into two. For free, it's like a proper funicular, just down to the, sort of I think it's like a fairground type place. And then it's kind of a cable car, not a funicular then all the way down to the coast. It goes from the hills, through the trees, through the buildings, and stops right by the water. Got to go and do that. And the cable cars are so small. They're shaky. It drops. It just looks a bit hairy if you're not into that sort of thing. Um, I think Elder refused to go on that. Um, He decided to go in the minivan. But I would highly recommend this. Fantastic views. Then we arrived back in Beirut, which felt almost like home. A final sunset walk on the Corniche one last time and we're all pretty knackered from the trip and some people were going that evening, early morning and to finish the day off we went off to Soha's house for a nice iftar meal cooked by her mum. Fantastic food, very appreciative of that and we kind of said our goodbyes really and three of us went back to the Mayflower, me, Elder and Miguel because we're going the next day and the rest of the group left next morning. So the last day in Beirut was with Elder, and we kind of didn't really have much planned. Got up for breakfast, wandered over to the Corniche, had a nice little walk up that. Goes from quite a while, actually. And then we got back to hotel, and I kind of just chilled out, really. I think we both fit knackered. And I had to be at the airport for probably about 8pm flight to Cyprus, and before that was one of the scariest parts of the whole trip. And that's my taxi ride from the hotel to the airport, by the hotel I don't think he wasn't a taxi driver he was just someone who worked at a hotel he gave me, gave me a lift basically I recommend getting a proper taxi driver not this guy because he was absolutely just a douche really just kind of speeding up and down through traffic Beirut traffic is busy especially that time of day half four or five o'clock weaving in and out speeding up braking really fast oh, awful survived it got to the airport and I was off for a holiday to Cyprus and that'll be the next episode to summarise, Lebanon is a trip that will get your senses going. Uh, there's stuff to understand that you're not going to understand in that trip. It's going to take you a few weeks to kind of get your head around. The divisions, the no president, no government, the old civil war, how stuff still goes on from that. The WhatsApp revolution, the explosion in Beirut, COVID as well, Hezbollah, rockets from Israel... All this sort of stuff is kind of confusing to get a head around, but it still kind of works. It is a fantastic place to go. It's a bit edgy, and you can go and see some real raw places. But I think you'd learn quite a bit about Lebanese people, about the country and its customs. And I would highly recommend a trip with 100 Rotus Vigans, who I went with. Fantastic Portuguese 
tour company who are owned by Francisco. And also the Lebanon tour is run by Jao. He's a professional photographer, journalist, and obviously now a tour guide. He's got some fantastic contacts locally. He can get you to real local areas. I've got his contact details in the show notes and I've got the Rotus group there as well. Even though they're Portuguese tour group, they are welcoming of any nationality. So I was the first non-Portuguese speaking participant, I think. And it went okay. That's good. Not too bad. So I would highly recommend you to go and check those guys out. They've got tours around the world. But Lebanon is a fantastic tour because it does get you into the raw areas I don't think any other tour group would take you to. So that's what I've kind of learned from this trip is that I think when you speak to other people who've been to Lebanon, I don't think they're going to go and see the Hezbollah Museum in Baalbek or go to Tripoli in the centre of Tripoli and have a coffee with someone who has no idea what you're saying. I think it's that raw and you've got to go and do it. So I will leave it there. If you want any inclination of photos or videos that on my Instagram page, James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel Podcast, you can search either of those, I think. All on there. I'll put some more up there for this part of the podcast at Tripoli. This mosque, you've got, you've got to see the video of that from Tripoli. And I hope it inspires you to book that trip. Go there. It's weird, you need cash. Don't pay by card. It's a cheap place to go, but this tour group is definitely worth the money. Great value. Thanks so much. And the next episode will be a real short kind of summary of my holiday in Cyprus. Not too much to report. And I'll catch you then. Cheers.